Welcome back to You're Wrong, I'm Right, hosted by me, Cameron, with Bodie and Robbie. This episode we are going to be discussing um, Days of Future Past, because I think, Robbie, you said it's now six years since that movie came out? It's been about six years correct? since release of Around Days of Future years. Past. Yeah. Um, the episode won't be out at the six-year mark, but we are recording it at the six-year mark. So, Yeah. Um, also, we, who, about four years since Apocalypse came out, and oof. not exactly a whole year since Dark Phoenix came out, but around there. Oof. X, uh, Fox officially has no rights to X-Men. That's not anymore. Hallelujah. Goodbye, Brian Singer. Pretty much. I mean, he was gone with Dark Phoenix, but... I know, but, like, it's, like, no, like, for good. Yeah. Well, technically, right. Brian Singer's career has gone for good. Well, yeah, but like, yeah, I think he'll make a comeback he's gone. somehow. Yeah, I doubt it. Once you diddle some kids, it's kind of hard yeah, to come back. Yeah, but that, that, that stuff was going on for like twenty plus years. Yeah, which only makes it worse. <laughs> anyway, um, who's going first this time? I was gonna go first this time. Alright, Robbie, sweep us off our feet. Take it away. I am really excited to talk about X-Men Days of Future Past. I remember when the first trailer came out uh, back in, I think it was 2013, and I was so excited for this movie. Like, um, when, when I was growing up, I had two superhero franchises that I would watch constantly, which was the Spider-Man trilogy and the X-Men films. While I think Raimi's Spider-Man movies have held up a lot better than the uh, the Fox X-Men movies have, I still do have a great appreciation for those films. Despite how cheesy they are, they still have their own very distinct voice, like X-Men 1, X-Men 2, X-Men 3, which is not good, uh, X-Men Origins, which sucks. So, you know, mm-hmm. they started off good, there was like a weird decline in quality, X-Men First Class comes out, and holy shit, this franchise is back on its feet. It's really good. And then they announced the big, the next big project was going to be X-Men Days of Future Past. Which Brian Singh was coming back to direct the project after leaving from X2. They are bringing the old cast from the OG films and the new cast from the uh, rebooted franchise. And re-watching this movie, I always forget how much I love watching X-Men Days of Future Past. There was so much... There was so much stuff I, I love about this film, and I won't go on too long, but every time I watch this movie, I find myself liking it more and more, and finding new stuff to appreciate, whether it's the acting, and the character development, the action scenes, the story itself, the way everything is structured. Like, this is, I'm not saying this is the best overall made X-Men movie, but Days of Future Past is absolutely my favorite X-Men movie. Alright, am I next or are you, Bodhi? I think you're next. Alright. Well, I am very, my opinion is very similar to Robbie's there. Um, I think it's just, I think, personally, I do think it's the best uh, X-Men movie. I think, obviously, First Class is, like, right there against it. Like, it's, it's very much a big contender, but 
I personally find myself enjoying um, Days of Future Past a little bit more. Uh, I always, I, I kind of really like time travel, and I kind of like how they had their spin on it, where um, nothing comes in, like nothing he does comes into effect in the um, present world uh, until he wakes up. So everything he does won't alter anything, and then once he wakes up, then it all gets changed. So they kind of coexist in the same way. So it's like it is kind of like a race against the clock while also going back in time. I thought it was kind of an interest. Oh, excuse me, an interesting take on it. Um, and the acting in it is just incredible. James McAvoy oh. playing a uh, 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 basically heroin addicted '60s just person who's lost it all. Like he just does such a great job of playing that character and you really feel his emotion you really he just drives it home and it's so 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 good um and i just i don't know there's never a point in that movie where i'm just like all right let's get a move on like it's just it's just genuinely a fun movie to watch it keeps you interested at all times and obviously it has the best quicksilver um sequence that has ever been done so yeah all right um, so we kind of got into a theme with these episodes where the first person uh, has the most positive things to say and the last person has the least positive things to say. Um, I, won't, I won't go out and say that uh, Days of Futures Past is a really bad film because I think there's a lot of really, really good things in this film. Um, I think the opening... Like, the whole setup and the opening of the film, I felt, was really, really strong. Um, setting up to the future events that occur within um, the future. Followed by, you know, their their task to kind of go into, you know, the, the past to sort of, you know, the whole, the whole setup for the time travel thing, I think, works really well. and makes a lot of sense to me. I think it's one of the best films, one of the best modern films at least to sort of handle the idea of time travel um because if i remember correctly most time travel films you like send your physical self back in the past and it just becomes this very wishy-washy thing like basically a back to the future premise um but i really like the approach of them going um taking wolverine's conscious into the into the past and having him play out that those events and the way he does it is like very like to the point and blunt he's just like you know i'm I'm from the future this is what happens and the robots don't really come from him they really come from all the other characters that appear in it who are vastly different people from the the you know from the future timeline um I don't know. I think every time I watch it, it sort of it sort of clicks less for me, and I'm not entirely sure why. Because um, there's a lot of really good things in this film. Um, the acting is top notch, as always. Um, Quicksilver is a gem. His sequences are some of the best in this entire film. Um, James McAvoy's fantastic. Um, Everybody's fantastic. Hugh Jackman, Michael Fassbender, um, Jennifer Lawrence, I thought was solid. Um, 
I don't know. I think I think what really I think what really bothers me the most is that I think stylistically it's the weakest or one of the weaker films that Brian Singer has directed in comparison to say the first two X-Men films. I find this one just does not have a lot of interesting things to look at or on an editing purposes kind of sloppy um, with the exception of the Quicksilver fight or the, the Quicksilver sequence. Um, that is wholly a fantastic segment um, through and throughout. Um, I have like literally no complaints about that. Evan Peters really freaking kills it as um, as Quicksilver. I think really it's just the writing is just not a hundred percent there for me. Um, considering the fact that the script was written by Simon Kimberg, who has a hit or miss relationship with screenwriting. Um, most of the scripts that he has written, um, are always kind of dependent on how well the director interprets his scripts. Um, I guess you could say the best script that he's ever written has been Sherlock Holmes, the first one. But even then, it was him and two other people. And I think one of those screenwriters included Guy Ritchie, who directed the first Sherlock Holmes film with Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law. But that said, here it's also, it's like, there's things in it that I don't really enjoy. I wish the past, um, I wish the, or sorry, I wish the present x-men had a little bit more to do they kind of disappear for almost like an hour until in the past when wolverine and uh beast and xavier go off into paris to try to stop mystique from killing bolivar trask and then wolverine starts having these ptsd moments when he sees uh the younger colonel striker which i really really liked how colonel striker was in this film and as a younger version i thought Whoever played him, Josh, uh, not Holloway, Josh something. Um, I thought he did a really fantastic job at kind of portraying a younger, sort of smuggish. He kind of he kind of conveyed the the smugness that Brian Cox had in X two, um, which I really enjoyed and appreciated. Um, I think, I think this film would have worked better for me. If, they're, if they followed up with Matthew Vaughn's original plan of having another film in between First Class and Days of Future's Past, because it goes from First Class, where it kind of sets up the X-Men and the school, and Charles is crippled and all of that, and the Brotherhood. And then, you know, they jump, obviously, 10 years later into the 70s, different time period, and it's just like... Well, the X-Men, or the school at least, is no more. It's just Beast who can turn back into Hank McCoy whenever he wants. Professor Xavier, who can walk now, which I don't really buy the fact that he can just magically fix his spine. I know it's a science fiction film and, like, it shouldn't matter, but, like, that's not how biology works. Bodhi, I don't know. When, yeah, no, when, I agree with you on that. When one. you can buy someone sending someone self-conscious in time into the body i don't understand how that's what you don't buy because it's not okay it's not like it's not 
his mind saying like you can't walk just walk you know it's not there's nothing there's nothing mentally using hindering him from trying to walk using a character who just goes through walls can send someone self-conscious back in time x amount of <laughs> years maybe if they maybe if they explored more on that instead of just writing it off like they did <laughs> I just, I just always felt that was kind of, just like haphazardly written to as an explanation. I've, I've never bought it. I'm sorry, Robbie. <laughs> um, I don't know what what else is in there that I. I think that's kind of it. I think besides just like some wonky parts in the screenplay and just. It kind of being what? the weakest film visually from Brian Singer's x-men films i think it's still fairly solid i think future class is still the best just because the writing in that first is class. Oh, what's that first first class not future class first class i think i think first class is still my favorite x-men film because the writing in that is handled a little bit better um but otherwise i think this is still really good x-men film if not a a bit flawed in my personal opinion and your issue Um. having like for me i think the script is one of the best parts of this film because somehow i think simon kimberg managed to make it both a character driven film and a plot driven movie like it absolutely is plot driven like wolfwing goes back in time he has to convince charles and do all of his other wacky shit but there was so much real and raw human emotion in all of these characters. And I know a lot of people when the movie was announced, oh, Hugh Jackman's coming back as Wolverine. Everyone's kind of like, why the fuck do we keep resorting back to him? But in, I love how this is way more of an ensemble piece versus the previous three films, which is very Hugh Jackman, Wolverine is the lead. And in this one, I love how you really get to see the character development he's had over the course of all of these movies because he has to be the Charles figure really tapping into the emotions of all the characters and bringing them all together and he admits that he's not the best at it and he's kind of having to figure it out on the spot and I loved seeing that character development within Logan it's just a great for me it's a great continuation of both the original trilogy and the new ones. And I know, I can understand why you have an issue with there not being a second film before Days of Future Past. It doesn't bother me as much because the way First Class ends and where this one begins, I can definitely see how these characters would have landed where they were. And I just think the movie just has a great sense of fun and hope. Like, for example, one of my biggest issues with the MCU movies is they don't know where to put comedy. And it was so refreshing to watch a comic book movie where, in this one in particular, the comedy never upsets the drama. The comedy is spaced out incredibly well. And all it all feels natural. Like, after the incredible Quicksilver... No, it was, like, right before the Quicksilver scene. Um, uh, you know, Charles is talking to Logan. He says... No, I don't. No, I don't do violence. He sees McNeil. His instant reaction is just to punch the shit out of him. 
and or right before that in the elevator when he goes so you, they say you can bend metal yes my mom knew a guy who could do that <laughs> like again the, the comedy all feels within the characters themselves instead of just coming off one character aka tony stoke and <clears throat> and watching this it just felt so it felt so relieving and just so it felt like a breath of fresh air to see a comic book movie able to balance tone incredibly well I um I, I want to build off what you said there about how people were just like oh god they're just gonna like use uh, Wolverine again as like the crutch as like the thing to take over like he's the main character kind of thing um like yeah for the most part for like this movie he is like the main character mm -hmm. he's the driving force but it is very much an ensemble film and that's what I love about the very last, um, the very end fight uh, yes. at the White House, mm. where they just disregard him. They wrap him up in some mm -hmm. uh, rebar and they toss him into the water, and then they oh let God, and that. they let you see that these new characters can hold it for their own, and that they can hold their own franchise, and that we don't need Wolverine. Like Wolverine was still yes a very important character, but these also these characters can support themselves, and we can be entertained by them and they can make their own movies i also love i really oh, sorry, go on. i really i really like that about this film um how i know a lot of people a lot of comic book purists and who, who gives a shit um were very upset when they were when they announced that kitty wasn't gonna be going back in time because they were gonna use logan and that everybody was just like oh, there's no kitty pride oh. But here it, like, makes sense for Wolverine to go back, because, A, with the way that they established the time travel, he kind of needs to go back, because um, Kitty was long, long born by then. Um, and they still have her play an important part of learning how to send people's consciousness back, which is never explained. Um, but whatever. Um, but yeah, it's very in it's very relieving to see, like, Kind of what Robbie said, you know, Wolverine in this film is a very is a much different character than Wolverine in the first X Men film, or the first two X Men films, or the first three X Men films. He's very much like he, he when he comes when he goes back in the past, and he's able to sort of be the the figure to help Xavier in the same way Xavier was the figure to help Logan. He in becomes the, the, in the Xavier present. to Xavier. Exactly. Um, and I felt that was really, really nice character development on his part. And I do think it's really nice that when watching it, I noticed the same thing where Wolverine isn't the central figure. Yeah, he, he kind of, he's an important part of this, but really it all kind of boils down to the three pillars of the past X-Men characters, which is Xavier, Magneto, and Mystique. And Wolverine is just kind of there. Well, and I guess Beast too. You probably, I could probably count Beast as well. Um, and Logan is just there to kind of, you know, help move the plot along. Um, and like when they literally yeeted him out in the final fight scene, um, that was really cool too. And even the way that they set up like this new version of how he gets taken in by um, Weapon X, that was pretty unique too because literally his mind has been like at that point there's a reason why his mind has been wiped out because yeah. literally anything before that it's like the fuck just happened you know so i felt that was very unique and it made a lot of sense to me 
Yeah. Um, something I also love about the final confrontation in this movie is that I think Days of Future Past does a really good job of, I'm going to say this quote by Ryan Johnson, subverting expectations. But it's done <laughs> in such a distinct way, like, you expect the final fight to be this big, gigantic, you know, spectacle. And the thing that stops the entire conflict is su- is Charles giving Mystique such a heartfelt, like, speech. And it doesn't feel forced, and it feels completely in line with the characters. And I just, I love how the conflict in this movie is resolved. It, again, like, the, the movie does a really great job. You think you know where it's going. But they throw an intervention that just barely manages to slide it off the course, so you're constantly guessing at what's going to happen next. At least that's what it was for me, anyway. Mm. Yeah. It's it's stark contrast between the future conflict, because that one's more that one's more based on spectacle, when they're trying to fend off of the really really cool sentinels. Um, mm-hmm. I I love the way that the I love the future sentinels that they set up, how they're based around Mystique's uh Mystique's power set. Yeah. Of of mimicking other mutant powers. Um they I thought... also like genuinely felt like threatening. Like in the that the way this movie starts off with showing how the sentinels are like just murderous machines and they're gonna stop at nothing to keep going and try and kill the mutants like that you genuinely are like oh jesus these like little like minion things are actually terrible when characters die they die brutally yeah yeah like for fuck's sake colossus gets ripped in half i was just about to say (laughs) bobby's head gets um flamed off and stepped on it's like holy shit yeah it's like Whenever like Blink gets stabbed like twice. <laughs> even Wolverine, when Magneto was putting the the um the metal through his body, like that was just painful to look at. Oh yeah, that was so gruesome. Yeah. Like, like yeah. Man, I, I kind of forget how. I think one of the reasons I like this franchise a lot is because the MCU is definitely more family oriented, while this one definitely takes its risk with its violence and even course of language because they had that brilliant callback with James McAvoy telling Logan, I, I met you one time, you told me to fuck off, which I'm like, no, no, no. Except that you told was me the to wrong quote. Yourself. Yeah. <laughs> which I think is the point because literally he remembers but also just doesn't remember the quote at all. He probably would have if he had his mind powers, yeah. but I thought that was really, really brilliant. Um, that makes me now wonder if it was just a writing miscue or if they did that for his character. I think they, I think they did that for his character. It's just me being the nitpicky little bitch I am. I'm like, no, no, no. He said, "Go fuck yourself." Yeah. Now I feel like I have to look this up. <laughs> you guys keep talking. I'm gonna find it out. <laughs> I agree with Robbie in that, like the X Men films are, and I personally think should always be a little bit darker in tone than any of the other characters in the MCU just because I think the X-Men hold a very important part in the Marvel cinema or the Marvel universe I should say where they're more about um 
diversity and about the struggles of minorities, which is always, always a very important topic um, to sort of discuss and hold, hold, hold with importance. The really um, great thing about Trask in this movie, too, is like, yeah, he doesn't have a lot to do, and it's not like he's given a big, you know, character arc and big backstory. But Peter Dinklage, A, is really good in this movie, but B, Trask is just, a, his character is just a theme for what the entire films have been about, which is discrimination and simply not understanding. And I just, I yeah. love that these films explore that. X2 kind of has a little preacher scene with, can you try not being a mutant? But its intentions is always where it should be. Always. Yeah. And even though I think Brian Singer is a big piece of shit human being that deserves absolutely no credit, um, I will give him the benefit of the doubt that his his idea to focus on those themes heavily with the first two X-Men films and this film that he directed, um, I think is the best thing about these X-Men films to me. And the way and that's how they kind of get elevated above like typical comic book films. Because these these have like a very important real life theme that anybody can watch and relate to. And I pray that now that the X-Men franchise is back in Marvel Cin- or Marvel Studios' hands that they continued those themes. Um, otherwise, it'd just be kind of dumb, in my opinion, to have to uh, just make them another Avengers or another Guardians. I think that'd be very wrong to do um, in this particular situation. The most disappointing part about Disney now owning X-Men is that we're not going to see James McAvoy and Mac, uh, Michael Fassbender in these roles again. And they are so fucking compelling not only separate but also together this to me is what anakin and obi-wan should have been in the prequels yeah and i know yeah. a lot of people like Ma- magneto as well written as he is kind of falls into the the cliche of i'm on your side but now i'm on my side i'm gonna betray you mustache trolling villain time but i feel like it works in days of future past because again you understand the motivation, and within this timeline, you just buy. It's not like X Men Apocalypse, where it's like, yeah, I've seen this before. Even like Dark Finn is like, yeah, I've seen this before. It still feels refreshing enough while being familiar at the same time. Mm-hmm. I I completely agree. No, that the casting in this was one hundred percent amazing and it's just kind of yeah. unfortunate that it keeps getting boggled down by studio executives that don't know what the fuck they're doing and mm-hmm. really shitty screenwriting yeah yeah say so, yeah, another thing i really do like about uh days of future past that came i mentioned earlier i actually really love the editing in this movie because everything feels so in the moment and everything moves so quick but it's not like we're moving, 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 like, let's say, Rise of Skywalker, which where it's just a plot moving because the plot requires it to move without a breather. And this movie is able to be fun and exciting while nothing much is happening. And then when you get to the big set pieces, it's still fun and exciting. Like, there is not a single moment this movie wastes. Every single scene builds upon the last in a very coherent way. I 
wholly disagree with at least most of the editing. Um, I think I think my dislike comes in tandem with the way Brian Singer shot a lot of this film. And it's weird to me that he's working with the two same individuals who helped him on X2 and one of them on X1. Um, Newton Thomas Single as the cinematographer, or Siegel, I should say, and John Ottman as the editor. Because I think, for the most part, he's worked with these two since the beginning of his career and basically has only worked with them since everything up to Bohemian Rhapsody because there's no way those two are going to ever fucking work with him again. Um, I think the way... I think this is more of a Brian Singer thing than either of the two. Kind of knowing the history of Brian Singer's uh, behind-the-scenes working and um, a lot of interviews that I've read from John Ottman, especially when Bohemian Rhapsody came out and how he was explaining how a lot of times Brian Singer would not even be involved in the fucking editing room when when John Ottman was working on these films. Um, I think I think this is a lot of the weird cuts that I had personal issues with and the weird shot ideas that I think some of them are just a little bit like too too wide of a lens choice for my liking. Um, but I think a lot of that just kind of comes down to Brian Singer rather than either of those two. Um, and when they kind of just like look wonky in tandem, they just kind of come up with a very weird, weird edit and weird looking scene. So I think most of my complaints visually about this film comes from just Brian Singer's somewhat absent direction. And I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that movie has great cinematography because I never saw the cinematography and it was bad. I just found it very serviceable. It's just nothing special. Yeah. Yeah, but like, if you and I and I watched, I compared it with because I was curious because I I I was watching it and I was like, kind of looking at this film, and I was like, I don't remember the last I don't remember the last two films that Brian Singer directed in this looking this not well like composed and edited so i looked i looked back on a couple of clips from the first x-men and x2 films and i'm like wow this these this feels like a completely different creative team like no joke i feel i feel that there's just you i never would have suspected that it would it this that days of future past would have came from these three at all like i think i think visually and stylistically the first two those those first two x-men films are so much more unique and better handled than this film and i don't know why i feel that way i just kind of do there's just like something that's like a little bit off for me when watching this film and then i and then i got even more curious because I have not yet seen Apocalypse. Um, it's so I just, bad. I just don't care for it. And I haven't seen Dark Phoenix yet. Um, I was watching also clips from so Apocalypse, bad. which, again, sort of like, is, is also just kind of stylistically, like, Bleh. not necessarily all over the place, but like just kind of questioning the creative decisions that Brian Singer made with those clips. And then 
when I watched Dark Phoenix, I was watching that, and the cinematography just was a hundred times more impressive than the past two films. Um, which is funny because it was Simon Kimberg's first film as a director. Um, so I'd have, I have no idea if that was more of the DP Mario Fier, I think it's his last name, the dude who did Avatar. Um, if that was more of him kind of leading the visual look of that film, or if that was like Simon Kimberg generally like knowing how to compose and how to sequence, uh, you know, good shots. But I felt that looked way stronger than either of those, either Days of Futures Past or Apocalypse. So I, I don't know. I don't know. That's kind of just me rambling about, you know, my my DP mind kind of just coming in being like, uh. Yeah, it doesn't look great. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it looks fantastic. No. It, to me, it's just like, it just looks normal. Yeah. If that's it's like, pretty like standard. You know, it just, it just yeah, it's just they didn't really try to do anything to blow you away, but it's also not like it's just shit. It's just, you know, normal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's like if you're doing like, I don't know, I feel like you could do a lot of really cool things, like especially in the, like even Matthew Vaughn did really cool, like stylistic things in First Class. Like that film looks freaking fantastic. Yeah. Um, and it's a shame that it's, like, one of the few Matthew Vaughn films that's, like, really, like, takes itself very seriously. Because um, the rest of the films are him, like, Kick-Ass or, like, the Kingsman films. Um, anyway, uh, shit, I lost my train of thought. Oh, no. But even, <laughs> even in those, like, like, <laughs> but I feel like, you know, it being in the 70s you could do like a lot of really dope like and i'm i'm sure they probably did but like i almost kind of wanted it to feel more like a 70s film whether that means like shooting in the present day stuff on a um rather than using a digital camera using like a older you know film camera and then using the the you know obviously they needed the quick several stuff to be digital but like you can easily just add a fucking I mean, film they, brain over the movie that does just to match go the back footage and forth when mystique busts out the window going back and forth between the um i'm really bad with uh the the, the type of camera the guy was holding going from a like a newsreel type aspect where the screen is just super small then going back to the wide yeah i feel like i kind of wish that he embraced more of the of kind of that door because like in the 70s it was like the style of those films were a lot grittier and i kind of wish i mean totally i don't it like the way that the at least the past stuff is is presented doesn't fit but i feel like they could have gone a little bit more grittier with with its with its camera movement you know just to kind of let us know that this is this is the 70s this is this is the style it's very like Back in the day, you know, America was fucking furious, you know. And for me, I think the cinematography would bother me more. But as I was watching it, I just got to the point where I just stopped paying attention to the technical aspects. And I was just engrossed in what was happening. I was so invested yeah, with the characters. you just kind of fall into the story. Yeah, 
I very much fell into the story and what was happening and I was I wanted to see what they're gonna do more. Like again, talking like some great character moments. Um I love it when young Charles meets older Charles. Like that that moment's just yeah. chilling. It's so powerful. That sequence was amazing. And then you get to the moment where we mentioned before all of the older X Men are like dying. Maybe part of it is nostalgia, but I found my genuinely like not tearing up, but being like, "Oh fuck, they're all dying right now." And then like the confrontation with Magneto and Charles in the plane, I thought was really well done. It, it definitely yeah. could have used maybe oh, a couple more awesome. beats than the than, than they used. But mm-hmm. I also understand it doesn't bother me as much because it's the first time they've seen each other in like ten plus years. And so the immediate reaction would be just these angry outbursts. So yeah, for me that worked. But this movie it just has so many great character moments that in the typical big budget spectacle film would just be completely ignored or would be compromised in some sort of way. And the movie always puts its characters before its spectacle. And when it does decide to do these action scenes, the action scenes are just so well done. Yeah, honest, like, another character thing that I love on this is when it's in that final battle when you see Magneto, um, he's fighting, you know, against all the other X-Men to, um, pretty much keep what it was going to happen on track, um, and then it also then flashes you back to the present day with the old cast, and you see Magneto fighting with the X-Men, mm-hmm. and it's just like... It's just done so perfectly where it just it's cutting back and forth and it's showing you how how Eric has changed and how like later him realizes what the consequences of his past actions have been and then we go back to nineteen seventy what four? Nineteen seventy four when this takes place, seventy three. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see him just being completely moved by his emotions and he's not really thinking it through completely. I, I I like it a lot. Also, I found no thing saying that they um, intentionally had the uh, misquote. Everything I'm seeing is just that it was just a straight up misquote for the fuck off. Well, this movie's a one out of ten then. <laughs> <laughs> also, I loved oh. I loved it when they interspliced um, Magneto's speech in the past. Mm-hmm to the events in the future oh, yeah it's, it's yes. a very it's a huge juxtaposition of eric going like this is what i want for my people and then the future shows like that's what it eventually leads to yeah um, and that's what i mean when it's like i really like yeah that's like that's just really good editing to me anyway like yeah it's just oh yeah that sequence was yeah. like that was really well done also, something I don't really see a lot of people talk about is the music in this movie. Xavier's so theme, oh, which yeah. sounds a lot like Time from Hans Zimmer. Maybe that was an yes. inspiration. But that piece of music in this film is fucking gorgeous. One of my favorite moments with the score is when it's in the very beginning when um, they are all showing up to the temple right before they go, uh, the Sentinels show up and whatnot. And they're, like, getting off the ship, and you see Xavier get off, and you see Wolverine get off, and, like, it's playing, like, whatever score it is for them, and then there's, like, a 
a nice like little beat there and then you feel like a menacing tone pick up and then it pans right over to um eric getting off the ship and it was like ooh, ooh, i like that it's like that menacing tone but he's like on their side and it's just like how do you feel about this it's so good who did the score for this john ottman yeah oh, okay I see that now. Yes, Thank he is. I, he I, he's edited and 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 scored pretty much all of Singer's films. I just remember seeing in, in the movie theater when the opening credits started. There was the X two theme. You know, something we haven't really heard in such a long time. It's like, fuck me, my ass is ready for this experience. Let's go. <laughs> oh, man. So, do we have anything else we want to add, or what little final thoughts? Um, I don't have uh, anything else that I can think of right now. Let me let me look at what else I got, because um, there might be something that like I was gonna be like. But also, I feel like I had one more thing, but I I don't know. I can't come up with it. But also, no, yeah, I think that's. Oh, oh. Uh. This is another technical thing. I'm I'm not Here gonna we go. go. Nah, I'm not gonna go into this. Here we fucking go. <laughs> if I if I talk about all the technical stuff, then we're gonna be here all day. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, but we all knew that. Um, um. No, I think I think that's all I have to talk about in terms of this film. All right. So, for my final mm-hmm. thoughts. I absolutely love this movie, and and uh, Cam, actually, I have a question for you. When you said this Shoot. is your favorite X, were you counting Logan in that conversation? Fuck no, I'm I I forgot about Logan. Okay, okay it's my second. Okay, <laughs> hold on, it's my favorite. Logan's not an X Men. I'm gonna say, like ensemble X Men film. It's my favorite. Logan is is a character piece. It's not really an X Men film. Okay. It's a Wolverine film. Right. I'll say it like that. Um, even including Logan, this is my favorite X-Men movie, for, for me anyway. It does everything I wanted in a big spectacle movie. It has exciting action, it has plenty of character moments, it manages to achieve all of those almost seamlessly in a movie that's over two hours but feels like it's like half an hour long. It moves beautifully. I absolutely love this movie, and I was going to give it an 8, but the more I talk about I'm going to give this movie like a light 9. For me, it does almost Damn. everything. But if the movie had like the cinematography of Logan, this might be a 10 out of 10 for me. But at the moment, I'm going with a light 9. Um, yeah. Uh, like I stated before, I mean it's just there's so much right about this movie and like hardly anything wrong about it it's just so well done um it's just captivating it just goes it's such it's got its own original takes it 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 spins some things in certain ways compared to like how comics does it how the comics do it and it's like it it works um and also, you know, Hugh Jackman just got insanely, insanely jacked for this the movie. The fact like, that he looks better in this than he did in the year 2000 is scary. It is insane. He like, just that keeps dude looking better just, and better. <laughs> I mean, you're basically punishing your body at that point with what he was doing, but, like, that is, it's just nuts. The 
commitment he had to this role for, I mean, this was, like, it, I don't know, I'd say this movie was, like, in the third, it was absolutely in the third act of his career as Wolverine, but mm-hmm. um, it's just, like, he committed to that role for 20 years, like, it's just, it's insane, or 18 years or whatever, but, like, and it just, in each and every movie, he gives it his all, and the acting overall in general is incredible. I mean, like I said, James McAvoy is honestly my favorite character in this movie just because yeah. of he just the emotions he he portrays, and you could just see how much shit he's gone through in his life, and it's it's breathtaking. Um, and honestly, I think I would have to give this movie I. Uh, not to be unoriginal, but yeah, probably nine out of ten. The only thing it was really lacking was great technical aspects, but I can get, I can see past that. When if the story is good enough, the characters are written well enough, if the acting is amazing, I can sacrifice a little bit of technical just awe for um, good story and acting. So yeah, nine out of ten. Um, I'm probably going to give this, like, a very hard 7 out of 10. Um, I still, like, despite my, my shortcomings with this film in, um, a lot of the, a lot of the, the things that the film doesn't really do a good job explaining at, um, and just having a very weak visual style to it, um, it's still a really solid X-Men film and certainly one of the, you know, one of the, the better ones in this, in this franchise for sure. Um, I'd probably put it at like third or fourth on my favorite, like list of X-Men films. Actually. Nah, I'm conflict. Well, I probably <laughs> would put it, I'm trying to think, do I like this more than X2? And I'm thinking maybe just a little bit. I think I like the fact that it's a better, it's a better ensemble film than, than X2. And I think that's why I would put it above that because it's, it's more focused on multiple characters rather than X2, which is kind of very, is, is very Wolverine story. Um, so I put that at three first class is at two for me. And then Logan, obviously, is number one for me because that movie is a fucking amazing so good. piece of work and cinema in general. Um, yeah, I think that would be my ranking um, in terms of where it stands for me as one of my favorite as, of, of X-Men films and also um, the ranking that I would give it as a film. Um, I still think it's it's a solid watch. You know, things things that work in this film work really well. Things that don't work don't really hinder it too much um but otherwise i think it's a it's still pretty solid x-men film all right well that was another short and sweet episode but i don't know i feel like we got a lot out and talking about it so this average an 8.3 out of 10 for us damn all right nice um so yeah um thought that was a good episode uh next week uh we will be talking about uncut gems because that just came out onto netflix if you want to 
be able to date how when these podcasts are recorded. That's how you can Please do it. Please watch Uncut um, Gems. Oh yeah, goodness. we're we're all very excited for that episode. I think we can probably make that a longer episode. Not that they have to be. I just think that's going to turn out to be a longer yeah, one because I feel like we yeah, can all talk about that's that. That's going to be a very high scored. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, thank you for listening, and uh, look forward to next week. Catch you later. See you.